We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. The people heard the message about Jesus being Lord, and they said, what do we do? And Peter stood up and said, well, you repent, you believe, and you'll receive the Holy Spirit. To repent, to believe, and receive the Holy Say it again. Repent, believe. To repent means to go the other direction, to turn and go another way, to live a different way. To believe means to put your trust in an intimate relationship with this God that's come. And then he he says something different in the 40th verse of chapter 2 that has just rocked my world for the last 10, 15 years. And he says, save yourselves. What, 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 say, what? I thought we were all, I thought that was all this about, how Jesus came to save us. But in the 40th verse, he said, save yourselves. Or, or, I like the way Eugene says it. Get out of this sick and stupid culture. Can I just suggest to you that the culture we're living in right now is pretty sick? They'll call right wrong and wrong right. They'll argue over and that. This is a weird culture we're living in right now. And I would echo what Peter's saying. Repent, believe, and follow Jesus, but get out of that stuff that's out there in the world. Get out of that way of thinking. And some of it is religious ways. And so I'm trying to talk to us about the way we live, about living the Jesus way, about understanding that in the beginning they were called the people of the way because they begin to live like that. And I like John. I like the, ma- the gospel of John because John doesn't mess around with he was born of this and born of that. doesn't start with pretty stars. He just starts out and says, Jesus is the word. Jesus is the light. Jesus is the lamb. Jesus is the living bread. Jesus is the Lord. All John does is talk about who he is and what he does. And John just jumps right in there and says, let me tell you, it's just all about Jesus. And if you understand who Jesus is, then your life will be what it's supposed to be. And so I, I, I want you to, to hear me. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and, and, and no one comes to the Father except through me, and that we're supposed to live in a certain way. And when we watch what Jesus does when he is here, we begin to understand this way of living. They're walking down the road. They're walking through somewhere, and, and they come across a blind man. And this man that's blind from birth. In other words, he has never seen anything. He, he, he has no reference point. He wouldn't know what a flower looked like. How could you imagine, if you've never seen a woman, how could you imagine what one looks like? I mean, the, ability, the inability to have seen it, how do you know whether it's ugly or it's beautiful? How, how do you understand whether it's day or it's night? This man has never seen anything. He can't sit and dream. He can't sit and imagine. If you've been blind from birth, you can't even begin to think of things being better because you don't know anything. He has no place of beginning. And this story starts off with stupid question. And a stupid question from the people that are called his disciples. But, you know, stupid cultures give rise to stupid questions. And they asked this question of the Lord, said, who sinned, his parents or him? 
I find that most people that I live with in this world today are always concerned about who sinned, who did something wrong. We're always looking to see who did something wrong, right? We're, we're trying to figure out who to blame for what's going on because somebody has to be to blame for this boy being blind. We're, all, we, we're always looking at a situation because everything has a cause and effect, right? If someone's having difficulties because they did something and they deserve it to be, Right? I mean, if they're in a mess, they obviously got themselves in that mess. Who sinned? Who, who deserves this? What, I, I, this story begins to highlight where I was going to go in John 12. But anyway, this story begins to highlight that Jesus sees things and does things differently than the world does. That when he sees a blind person or a sick person or a person that's in trouble, he doesn't begin to think about who did something wrong. He just says, this is wrong. He doesn't begin to figure out who did something wrong. He just says this is unjust. The, the, the way this man's living is not right. The, the condition that this man is in is not the condition that God willed for this man to be in. He doesn't begin to evaluate how that condition got there. He just says, I can't let this stay the way it is. When we see things in the world that are wrong, we should be asking, how do we change the situation? Not who created it. How it got to this point, the forensic understanding of it, is not important. What really is important is that when Jesus comes as the word of God, the light of the world, the Lord of us all, Jesus comes very embodied and very personally engaged in our lives. He doesn't come to introduce a system of beliefs, but he comes to engage in the people that he loves in this location, in this flesh and blood. See, the ways of the world are always about programs, organizations, institutions. But the ways of Jesus have nothing to do with that. The ways of Jesus has to do with people. And so Christ comes revealing to us a new way to live. And he instantly clashes with the world around him. The prophet Isaiah said, the ways of God are not our ways. The prophet Jeremiah said, I know the plan I have for you, a plan to do you good and not harm. Uh, uh, the message says, I know what I'm doing in your life. You see, I, I don't care whether you've been born blind, sick, dumb, stupid, tall, fat, or skinny. God knows how to work his plan in your life. And he will come in contact and conflict with the ways of this world. And he'll change and alter your life. Touch somebody and say, God has a plan for me. And this ain't it. You have to sometimes recognize that I'm living in a situation and I'm better than this. That God has something beyond this for me. And that I can understand that God takes even this situation and works it together for my good. He takes every detail of my life. That you can be born with a stutter. You can be born with a, an abandoned lifestyle. But that God comes to, into this place to deliver you and to touch you. I want you to understand that everything in my life at this moment is geared on one thing. You don't have to stay in the darkness that you've been living in. You don't have to stay in that, that depression that you're fighting with. You, you don't have to tolerate that, that thing that you've been tolerating. There is hope that God wants to step into our lives, not with a system of belief, but with a personal touch. That God wants to step into our lives and reveal to us that his way of being and his way of doing is to love us. That his way of doing things is to change the things that are going on in our lives. In verse 3 of 9, he said, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There's no such cause and effect here. Look again at what God is trying to do. 
For I must work the works of God while it was light, because there is a time coming when there's night and no one will work. See, the real question would be, who's really blind? The blind man or the people that are living in the ways of the world? We have to begin to understand that sometimes those who follow Jesus are more blind than who Jesus is going to. I'm sorry, but sometimes it's Christians who are missing the point. Sometimes it's believers that get caught up in the rhetoric of the world, and they don't even understand that somebody is blind, that somebody's hurting, that somebody needs touch, that somebody somewhere is struggling. And Jesus reached down into the dust, say dust. Can I just suggest to you, you're made of dirt, dirt and water. He reached down into the dust, and he spit on it, and he put this mud in this man's eyes. He said, now you go wash and when this man washed, he came back seeing. The interesting thing to me is that God is still creating with dust. He's still creating with saliva. He's still creating with these simple little products. Can I tell you something? That we make a lot of out of this, and at the end of the story, it's just dirt. At the end of the day, me or somebody like me is going to stand there and say, dust to dust and ashes to ashes. At the end of the day, what you do with this thing isn't very important. But what you do with the breath that God gives you is ultimately of great value. That it's the breath that God breathes inside of us. And that that breath that God breathes inside of us, God wants you to get a chance to see who you really are. This story is so powerful in the sense that the man comes back and it says he can see. But if you read the verse, it says that the people around him was all buzzing out, and they started saying, is this the blind man? He doesn't look like the blind man. I think it is the blind man. Are you sure it's the blind man? Can I just tell you, the great miracle here is not simply that the blind man begin to see, but it's the way the people begin to see the former blind man. Can I just say something to you? When God gives you sight back to you, Everybody else is going to see you differently than they've ever seen you before. Come on. I, it, it, what's really sad is if you continue to see yourself as blind. What's really sad if you continue to see yourself as a beggar. God not only wants to change the way you see, he wants you to understand that the world sees you differently. How many of you here believe Jesus is the Son of God? I mean, come on, how many, oh, come on, don't be ashamed. If you are, then I'm going to talk to you. Can I tell you that the world sees us different? That the minute that we say Jesus is Lord, they look at us differently than they did when we were not following Jesus. That every time someone says, I'm a follower of Jesus, suddenly the world looks at us differently. If you don't understand that the world is expecting something from us, the world's expecting us to live a different way than they themselves are living. Oh, you're not hearing me. Listen, I have no expectations of the things that this culture has expectations of, but I have expectations of his people. I have his expectations of the people that follow Christ. I expect us to love each other. I expect us to forgive each other. I expect us to serve one another. I expect us to give our life for one another. I expect us to know one another. I expect that because that's what Jesus does. And if we're Christians, it's more than morality. It's more than that. It's a way of living. It's a way of being. 
And the minute this man began to see, everybody else saw him as something better. It's the greatest story ever told. If you were here Wednesday, you would have got it. Every little boy thinks he's Superman on the inside. Every little girl thinks she's Cinderella. Frodo knows he can save the world. Listen, there is more on the inside of you than you've ever known. Jesus comes to release the Superman, the Cinderella, the, the lion slayer on the inside of you. God wants you to see who you really are and not what the culture has said you are. The world, the world wants to limit you to your performance. The world wants to limit you to your education. And God wants to come and set you free and reveal to you that he created you to be so much more. And we've settled for so less. Oh, goodness. The ugly duckling becomes the swan. Come on. The frog becomes the prince. The blind man becomes Simba. You forgot who you are. We've allowed the culture to rob us of our true identity. We've been blinded by the perceptions and the prejudice and the, and the performances and the programs and, oh, do I dare say it, the policies of other people. You hear me? They don't matter. What matters is the presence of God. Because when you come into God's presence, he frees you of everything else. My friends, you are the hope of the world. Christ in you. The reality that you can see what others cannot see. That you can know what others cannot know. That you can live in a way that the world cannot live. A few years ago, we all were wearing these bands. What would Jesus do? Anybody have those? I have several of them in my drawer because... What would Jesus do? It's a silly question. It's really a silly question. There, there, there's a better question. You see, a stupid culture asks stupid questions. There's a better question. What is God doing? I'm not needing to ask what would Jesus do. I need to ask what's God doing right now, right here in my life. What's God doing? And whatever God's doing, I want in that. I want to be a part of that. I don't need to be sitting here thinking that I could do whatever Jesus would do anyway. Because can I tell you something? I can't do anything of myself. But if God's doing something, I can follow what God's doing. Oh, come on. I just want to see what God's doing. I want my eyes open to see beyond this world and see into the realm of the Holy Spirit so that I could just follow closely. Could I go a little closer? It's interesting to me, once the disciples get this, the, the religious Pharisees come along, and they, they really are jumping up and down. The religious folks are just having a cow. They're going, you can't do that. It's the Sabbath. You can't do it that way. You, you can't. This guy doesn't deserve that. Who do you think you are? Only the Son, only God. You, and they're, they're mad because of what Jesus is doing. You know how many religious people are mad because Jesus does stuff that they don't think he ought to be doing? Can, can I just suggest to you that, that God will confront the way we think it ought to be done and just do it his own way? Oh, well. And the Pharisees are questioning everybody. I mean, they, they come to the man. They say, what, what, what do you say about this man that did this to you? What do you say about him? He goes, well, I think he's a prophet. <laughs> oh, well, I could, I could move a little further there. I think he's a prophet. Then they move on to his parents. What do you say? And they're scared to death of religious people. And the parents go, I don't know. Let the boy speak for himself. We don't know. 
So they go back to the boy, and the boy tells them the story again. And they say, well, he, that can't have happened because we don't know where he came from. And the boy said, listen, I don't know whether he was a sinner. I don't know much, but I can see. Anybody in here old enough to remember Johnny Nash? I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. I can see clearly now. The rain is gone. Yeah. It's coming. Are you getting it? I can see all obstacles in my way. Oh, some of you are going, in church? Yep. to be happening in every church this morning. <laughs> you need to understand me. If you come into the presence of Jesus and the clouds don't roll away, you ain't in the presence of Jesus. You're in the presence of religious Pharisees that are trying to keep mud in your eye. You, 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 when you come to Christ, listen, you may not know anything. When you, when you go free, you may, listen, I still don't think I know anything. 42 years later, I still don't think I know anything, but I'm not lost. I'm not lost. I'm on a way. I'm on a journey. I'm on a trip. Honey, I'm so, I have people call me all the time and say, we don't think we agree with anything you have to say, but you have so much passion. <laughs> well, okay. Listen, if you've lost your passion, you didn't get the dose I got. Woo! I got news for you. If, you're, if you can't rejoice, oh, never mind. See, there's a clash of ways going on here. When the Pharisees begin to evaluate what Christ is doing, when the Pharisees begin to argue over whether or not God can do it this way or that way, you see, there's only one thing I know this morning, and that is I have met Christ. And I have met Christ not because I could rise to a level of impressing him, but because he descended to reach me. Because he came down into my life. He came down into my blindness. He came down into my limitations. He came down into my sin. He came down into my world and opened my eyes that I could see that there is more for me than there are against me. It's so interesting how these Pharisees kept coming back to this formerly blind man. And he finally looked at him and says, do you want to be one of his disciples too? That's what I want to say to every religious person. Would you like to get saved? Every person that's a critic of Christ, I would like to go, would you like to meet him? I think that's a good question to ask critics. Would, would you like to? And he said, listen. He said, I don't know, but he said, it's a marvelous thing because anything that's happened to me, it happened to me because someone else came into my life and touched my life personally. We talk so much about a personal relationship with Jesus and we're so impersonal. Oh, I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it. Listen, we're, we're, we're supposed to know one another's names. You, you have no idea how hard I work to know your name. And it's hard because you all look the same to me. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> you got it. I mean... I don't even know my grandkid's name. And then they name them all H. I just do H1, H2, H3, H4. Come here. Right? You. 
Come over here. But we're supposed to be living here. We're supposed to be engaged in this place. We're supposed to be engaged with these people. We're supposed to be noticing one another. Jesus was walking through. Can I tell you why people miss the people around them? Because they instantly start asking, well, I wonder who sinned. See, the reason we walk by people is because we're looking down. The reason we miss the opportunity to be personal is because we're thinking in a way that is contrary to the ways of Christ. And we have to start thinking and living in a different way, Christian. We have to start noticing that every soul and every person, regardless of any evaluation, is a child of God. Can I tell you, that will change the world. How many of you know that 10 follows 9? 9, 10. Jesus goes into a monologue in chapter 10, and he goes, if you think that was something, I'm here to do abundantly. I'm going to give you life abundantly. Say abundantly. I've been, confused. I, I've been criticized all my life about this more than enough teaching. Hear me. Jesus changes this young man's life, and then in the next chapter, he goes, there is a thief, but I'm not he. I have come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. Listen to me. I don't even care what you're enjoying. God wants to do more than that. He wants to do above that. He wants to go beyond that. He wants to, to have an overflowing. Listen, everyone in here could go for more. Everyone in here needs to go above. And we, oh, you're not. Listen, we shouldn't settle for any place. If we're still here, we still got... He, he moves from this place to, he goes, Pharisees, if you think this has upset you, wait till you see what I'm about to do, because I'm about to do abundantly above. I'm about to do more than. I've come that you might have life and have it, and that you might enjoy it, is what the NIV says. Touch your neighbor and say, try it sometime. Most of the time when I'm looking at Christians, I'm going, what did you snort? That was bad. Very bad. See, if you got, if you got a little jar of oil, I can work with it. If you got a little meal in the bottom of the barrel, I can work with it. If you got, if you got some water, I can work with it. If you, got a, if you got a happy meal, I can work with it. Can I just tell you that God can take your happy meal and feed thousands. That God can take that little raindrop, that little ripple, that, that everyone in this room, what you have can change the world. That there's no one in this room that's insignificant. That there's no one in this room that doesn't matter. That specifically together, that, that, that God says, I'm going to do abundantly, immeasurably, Paul says, above and beyond all you could imagine. The blind man had never imagined anything. Can you imagine what he's imagining now? He had never been able to vision anything, but now he's able to see everything. Come on, Christian. A while ago, you were on your way to hell, but now, this time, this sliver of heaven that we are enjoying at this moment, or at least we should be. You see, if Christ is king, if God made him to be Lord 
and king. How many believe that? If God made this Jesus to be both Lord and king, then everything, quite literally, everyone must be reimagined, reconfigured, reoriented to living a way of life that is beyond anything we had before. That if Jesus is Lord and Christ of the world and of us, we have to rethink everything. We have to reimagine everything. We have to change every way we live, every way we speak, every way we look at one another. It alters everything. I can no longer begin to look at it through the eyes of this world. I have to see it differently. It's sacred. It's so profound. Listen, there is nothing in this world that can even touch the tip of the reorientation of the mind that's been touched by Christ. I told this story the other day. I'm going to tell it again just because it's such a good story. I had this old John Deere lawnmower. In fact, uh, Oscar's tried to help me with it, and it's, it's beyond help now, Oscar. But I had this riding lawnmower, those John Deere riding lawnmowers, and, and I needed to change the blades on that riding lawnmower. Every man in this place is going to make fun of me. I needed to change the blades on that lawnmower. And so you take the thing out from under the deck, out from under, and you turn it over. And you, I got this crescent wrench. It's about this long. And I put that crescent wrench on it, and I pound it on that thing, and it doesn't move. So I go get a pipe, because I learned it from my dad. You get more leverage, so you put a pipe on the crescent wrench. And you push on it more, and it doesn't move. Now I'm just mad. So I go get a concrete block. And now I'm standing there, and I'm beating on this thing trying to get, and Annie walks up. You know, I think maybe you're going the wrong way. How many of you feel like you're bouncing this thing and it ain't going nowhere? And all you got to do is take that crescent wrench, turn it the other way, because you're just been... Mm-hmm. Wrong way. I mean, have you ever had one of them childproof pill bottles? I mean, I haven't felt good this week. And you get up in the middle of the night, you just want the pill. And I'm standing there twisting on this thing. And my wife shows up. She looks at it, she says, push. Repent. Repent. Go the other way. I love Coca-Cola. How many of you like Coca-Cola? Have you ever tried to screw the top off a Coca-Cola bottle? It don't work. You have to get one of those other things. What am I trying to say to you this morning? Jesus came to tell you, go the other way. I promise you. If the world's going left, go right. I'm telling you, if the news media says this, go the other way. Are you listening to me? If religious Pharisees show up, go the other way. Uh, you're not hearing me. If a critic shows up, turn the thing around. You won't even need the pipe. <laughs> Jesus is the way. Say way. way. 
Listen, Jesus is not a formula. I took my friend Garland. He's sitting in the back. I'm going to make fun of him. I have to pick who I'll make fun of. I took Garland to Missouri. I love Table Rock Lake. I just love it. I take Garland. I put him in my boat. And we get on this lake. And we're driving. It's beautiful in Missouri. And we're driving down this lake. And I look over and he's got this great big map. This green map of Table Rock. And he goes, where's point nine? That's point nine. There's point ten. There's point ten. I said, give me that map. I said, what are you doing with the map? He said, well, I'm trying to figure out where I'm at. You know how many Christians are reading the Bible trying to figure out where they're at? They're, they're living this thing. Listen, Jesus is not a map. He's not a street sign. He's not saying bump, turn left. He, 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 you can't locate it. Jesus doesn't give you a map. He is the way. He's a person. You're supposed to be living this way. It's a relationship. It's intimacy. Some of you are missing the scenery because you're staring at the map. It's beautiful. Would you just look up and look around? I'm going to make fun of my other friend. He's closer. I got to be careful. I think I could outrun him. I ride motorcycles with him. I've preached all kinds of messages about how Dale has taught me how to focus. And he, he, he tells me I don't follow right and I don't focus. So he teaches me how to follow. Dale knows one way to ride a motorcycle. Fast. Just fast. He'll scare the fear out of you. Just Fast. I'll never forget the first time I went with him. We go to the mountains, and, and, and he's gone. I get to the top of the mountain. I'm sure he'd been there an hour. I get up. I pull up beside him. He says, what took you so long? I said, I enjoyed the scenery. <laughs> See, the way is not a map. And the way is not just about getting to the top of a destination and succeeding and being in the end of heaven. Are you listening to me? The way is a personal relationship. His name is Jesus, and you live his way. You notice the blind and the lame and the lost and the downtrodden, and you enjoy the journey. And when you enjoy the journey, all of a sudden, heaven becomes a sliver of this life called right now, and you begin to see people's eyes open, and you begin to see people differently. But hear me, you got to step out of the way of the world and get your eyes off the map and off the destination. Oh, my God. Even at their expense, I'm trying to make a point. Yeah. Say with me, he's the way. He came to give us an abundant life. He came to show us that we can walk with him, that we can live in this personal relationship with the people around us. He came to open our eyes to things that we have hitherto missed. You see, all the way to heaven is heaven if Jesus is the way. All the way to heaven is heaven. If Jesus is the way. I wished I had said that, but a lady by the name of St. Catherine said it. A lady by the name of Dorothy Day made it famous. If Jesus is the way, then every day is heaven. If we'd get our eyes off the map and stop evaluating each other. If we'd get our eyes off the destination and start enjoying what's around us. If we'd notice the people right beside us and the potential that they have within us. If we'd begin to serve one another. 
We have to wake up and realize that the world is trying to rob us of the sacredness of this life. I could give an invitation right now for you to come out of your blindness, to be born again. But that's only half the story. Because some of you have laid down too soon. Some of you have allowed yourselves to be wrapped in tomb garments and laid inside of a place. Because chapter 11, Lazarus is laying in a tomb. And he's dead before he's dead. Listen, some of you need to listen to me. It ain't over till he says it's over. You ain't done till he says it's done. I believe there is this movement of people that think they're done that aren't done. I believe there's a movement. Come on, baby boomers, wake up. I think there's a movement of people that have laid down too soon. I believe there's a movement of people that have allowed the things of this world to wrap them up and stick them in a corner before their time was over. Jesus isn't just coming to open the eyes of the blind. He's coming to unwrap some of you so you can see again. He's coming to set some of you free. You need to hear me calling your voice. You need to come out of the background. You need to come out of the darkness. Listen, if you're wrapped up and in a tomb, you're blind too. Mm -mm -mm. And I'm telling you, if all you can do is hop, try hopping. If all you can do is just jiggle, jiggle. But do something. And look, if you see someone jiggling, help them get that off of them. Some of you are satisfied with just watching them jump. Would you go over and please help them do what they cannot do? They're doing whatever they can do to get out of the mess that they're in. Now, instead of wrapping them up, would you go over and take something off of them instead of putting something else on them? I'm so tired of Christians putting stuff on. Listen, I got enough struggles without you wrapping me up with your opinion. See, this story from... John 9, 10, and 11, and then he stole 12. You want to know how to enjoy this time? You want to know how to have the best time of your life? How many just like this to be the best time? The, the best of the best times. I, I mean, listen, how, I don't know about you, but I'd like to have the best of the best. Listen, the end's going to be better than the beginning. The latter's going to be better than the former. We're, we're about to see greater things than they did in Acts chapter 2. All we got to do is say no to a stupid and sick culture that's trying to rob us of the realities of who we are. Hmm. My voice is doing pretty good. This is it. This is my big takeaway. This is how to live the best season of your life. How many want to live the best season of your life? This is it. It's John 12 to serve. Serve. That's it. You serve other people. You become a servant. You'll have the best time of your life. John chapter 12 says, if you deny it, you'll find it. John chapter 12 says, if you begin to serve me, listen, it's not enough to repeat after me and say, Jesus is Lord. Serve. The Bible is very clear. The way you serve Jesus is serve other people. Do it unto the least of them. Notice other people that are in need. Listen, church, I'm calling you out of a way and into another way. And that I'm so sick of leadership conferences. I'm going to. 
So many people have relied on their status to succeed rather than their service. I don't care what your status is. If you're not serving other people, you're not worth much. It's not enough to know that he's Lord. You have to begin to serve him. Listen, the way of Jesus is opposite of the world. Down is up. Giving is receiving. Losing is winning. Dying is living. It is opposite of what you think it is. That's the call to be one who follows Jesus, to live in the way, to come out of the map. So here it is, three little things that if you'll do, I believe it'll be the best time of your life. Number one, serve someone every day, every day. Get up every day and serve somebody. I don't care if it's your neighbor. I don't care. Some of you need to serve your spouse, some, but serve somebody. I was so moved Friday afternoon when we did Becky's service. Anita was talking about something she did. The other pastor was talking about Reese's peanuts that he went and got. Cindy was talking about a flower that she bought. I sat there and thought, I'm so glad all three of them did something to serve Becky in the last week or two of her life. You, you, you hear me. I'm not predicting or prophesying anything, but God forbid it would be the last opportunity that you had to buy somebody a flower. God forbid that it would be the last opportunity you had to go buy them a big size Reese's peanut butter cup. God forbid that you'd miss this moment to serve somebody. Get up every day and serve someone. Number two, every day, add value to someone. Man, we live in a world that's robbing humanity of its value and of its dignity. And I'm concerned when we join our voices to that. We, we need to add dignity to every person that we meet. There is something in their lives that is worth noticing. Something in their lives that is worth encouraging and calling out. How many of you just need somebody to add dignity and value and worth and meaning to you every day? Do you, do you know how much a text that just says, hey, you're doing okay. Just, just, I got, I got news for you. I, 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 I sometimes, I don't know the details, but I, I was just, add value to people. If what comes out of, out of your mouth doesn't add value, shut up. And number three, every day, put other people first. Every day, open the door and let them go in first. I have a friend, a good friend, a dear friend, maybe one of my closest friends. And the first day I met him, I knew we were going to be great friends because we walked out of the church that he serves, a big church, big church. And we walked out of his office and we're headed towards his car, and I kept thinking, he walked over the car door and opened the car door so I could get in. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm serving you. He said, I'm putting you first. He said, I'm being kind to you. Do you know that I watched him? I've watched him for over 15 years. Everywhere he goes, he opens the car door for his wife. 
or for a friend. He is all. Listen, several years ago, I began to read behind a man by the name of George Saunders. And he started talking about how to age without regret. And I'm getting just old enough that I don't want to come to the end of my life and have any regrets. And listen, I've done a lot of things wrong, but I repent over that. <laughs> regrets are missed opportunities. I missed an opportunity to go fly and land on the Ronald Reagan one time because I thought I was too busy. Brent Strong asked me if I could do it, and I didn't. I regret missing that moment. I regret a moment that I had this week. I was in a business, and I was talking to this lady, and she was obviously hurt, and I was trying to be kind, and I went out and got in my Jeep and drove off, and it just stopped short because you know what I didn't do? I didn't pray. I instantly regretted it. Listen, I regret those moments that I didn't show kindness I regret those moments that I didn't serve. I regret those moments. You hear me, we are living in a culture right now that if we'll just be kind and serve each other, add value to someone, we can change the world. We can live a different way. It's the way of Jesus. And I realize you want me to shout and talk of miracles. It is a miracle every time we serve somebody. It is a miracle when we recognize it ain't about whether he sinned or they sinned. It's a miracle when we begin to call out the abundance of God. It's a miracle when that seed falls in the ground and it dies. But when it springs up, Kent is so right, every one of you are a raindrop that changes the world. You, you may not even see it. You may not even understand it. But what little thing you could do this week. Mm. We can go above and beyond if we begin to serve. Mm. Well, I'd like to have shouted this. I'd, I'd like to have brought it with all the... Lord, I thank you this morning that you came and served me. I thank you that you came and washed my life, that you handed me the bread of life, that you shed your... I thank you that you came down and noticed me. Man, if you... If you're missing this, don't miss it. It's an invitation to live another way. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.